Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour two of the program. Thanks for listening tonight. Glad you're here. Saints and the Jets on Saturday in their third preseason tune-up. We'll talk more about that. We'll talk more about potential roster cutdowns. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com right now. Which of the receivers on the roster is leak least likely to make the final 53? Austin Carr, Keith Kirkwood, Emmanuel Butler, LJ Humphrey. You might have two of those guys making the roster. Might have two. Not going to have three with the way this numbers game is working. That means a couple, two, three receivers are going to be playing on NFL rosters elsewhere because you're not sneaking the guys that don't make the Saints' final roster from that group onto their practice squad. They'll be scooped up by waivers by a slew of teams in a heartbeat. Cash your vote at www.com or the radio.com app. We'll keep an eye there. A little later this hour, we'll also recap what happened today in the Little League World Series. Again, Louisiana, the team just outside of New Orleans in River Ridge, they 10-run shutout, the team for Virginia, so they have advanced into the United States Championship game that will be tomorrow at 2.30. It's pretty special stuff. But right now, it's time to go inside NFL training camp. And let's bring on in Jay Skursky, who covers the Bills for buffalonews.com, at Jay Skursky on Twitter. Jay, what's going on tonight? Oh, not too much. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, let's start with... Um, well, I usually start with the quarterback, but what I want to know here first is uh, Ed Oliver, who was really a topic of hot discussion. I mean, of course, he, he sat out most of the season at Houston. Everybody knew he was going to be a top draft pick. He was in Buffalo. How's he looked? You know, he's looked great. I mean, it took him about all uh, two or three training camp practices to uh, enter the starting lineup, and he's uh, he's been a mainstay there ever since. And And I think, you know, Bills fans are – legitimately excited about what Ed Oliver can bring to this defense. And, you know, you look at, you know, he, he's brought in to replace Kyle Williams, a Louisiana guy, big shoes to fill, and he has stepped in right away. And, and I think, you know, there's a, there's a reason to be excited about what Ed Oliver can bring to this defense. When you look at what he was able to do at Houston, you know, three-time All-American, um, you know, as I said, I mean, he, he might be a little bit undersized for his position, but, he is, uh, you know, he, he's been as advertised, I guess, as the ninth overall draft pick. You know, there was a lot expected of him, and, it, and, and to this point, he's lived up to that. You know, he was kind of a guy that Sean McDermott's trying to rebuild this defense around. Sean McDermott, for those who don't know, he was on Ron Rivera's staff in Carolina and helped Ron really mold those Carolina defenses during his tenure. They're some of the best in the NFL. Is he trying to make this kind of a Carolina 2.0 with great defense and, you know, a quarterback and an offense that kind of can play off of that, Jay? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, you look at Ed Oliver is filling kind of that K-1 short rule from Carolina. And then, you know, at linebacker, you look at Tremaine Edmonds, the Bills' second-year linebacker, as trying to be that Luke Keekley type. And, the, you know, the secondary here in Buffalo is really, really strong. That was a a, sort of a staple of uh, Sean McDermott's defenses in Carolina, but you're right. And, you know, I, I think the, the big comparison though, when you talk about Carolina to Buffalo is at quarterback and, you know, Cam Newton, what he was able to do with the Panthers 
and what Josh Allen's strengths are and, you know, and really physical attributes, I think those compare uh, really favorably. And, and, and so I think that's when, you know, you talk about the Carolina to Buffalo connection and, and pipeline, and it's not just Sean McDermott. It's, it's Brandon being the general manager. It's several players. But to me, it boils down to those two things, the defensive system that they're running and then the quarterback that they're employing. And, and I feel like there's a lot of similarities between what Cam Newton is and what Josh Allen might be able to become. I'm so intrigued watching Josh Allen's progression because there were so many haters out there nationally just bagging on this pick, <laughs> bagging on his rookie year. Admittedly, he had yeah. a rocky start, but he's looked pretty good this preseason, 9 of 11 against uh, well, against Carolina, against the Colts. What was he, uh, 6 of 11, 66 yards? Seems like he's having a, a pretty good second preseason. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, he... Uh, you know, I think he was rushed into the lineup, quite frankly. Uh, Nathan Peterman, uh, who was named the starting quarterback last year for the Bills, uh, struggled mightily, as anybody who knows anything about Nathan Peterman will be able to tell you. And they, they, the Bills basically had no choice. They had to play Josh Allen. And it didn't go well early in the season, quite frankly. And then he suffers an injury. He uh, It's an elbow sprain. It keeps him out for about a month. But he comes back for the final five games of last year and really starts to put it together. And I think, you know, showed a lot in those final five games. He, he had the opportunity to lear, learn behind Derek Anderson, learn behind Matt Barkley. And I think that really benefited him. And he's been able to carry that over into this preseason, into this training camp. And, you know, you mentioned it there, you, you know, the la- last week against Carolina, I thought was his best performance and, and really showed a lot of positive signs. And I think people, you know, you know, we talk about Ed Oliver and uh, kind of capturing the imagination of Bills fans. Josh Allen has absolutely done that. I mean, people are are on board with Josh Allen. We have to see, you know, if, if he can live up to it. But so far, so good in his second year. I think there's, uh, you know, reason to be legitimately excited about what he can do. We're talking to Jay Skursky inside Bills training camp. Jay covers the Bills for BuffaloNews.com. How are the weapons around Allen on offense? Well, they've improved them. I mean, you know, you look at bringing in a guy like Cole Beasley from from the Dallas Cowboys. He's going to be, I think, Josh Allen's favorite target working out of the slot. And then they bring in uh, a guy like John Brown uh, from the Baltimore Ravens. He's going to be kind of that deep threat option. You've still got LaShawn McCoy here. You've added to running back with Frank Gore a veteran who even at 35, 36 years old uh, this season has has shown that he's able to get it done. And then you draft a running back in the third round at Devin Singletary. And we've seen that, you know, you can find running backs in the third round. You know, you look at, at New Orleans, for example, with Elvin Kamara. And I'm not saying that Devin Singletary is going to be Elvin Kamara, but the point is, is that you can find players there. So they've, they've absolutely added around Josh Allen. And I should mention, they, you know, they've entirely rebuilt the offensive line. There's only one returning starter. That's Deion Dawkins at left tackle at offensive line. So they knew they needed to get better up front. They knew they needed to add weapons at wide receiver and at running back. Uh, at tight end, uh, same thing. They've, they've done that. So they, they've completely retooled this offense around Josh Allen. It was all in the plan all along, and this goes back to the day after the 2018 season ended, was, hey, we know we need to get better around Josh Allen. They've set out to try to do that. 
I'm glad you mentioned Frank Gore there because in my mind, he may be the most underrated running back in NFL history. I think he's a lock for a Hall of Fame. He played yeah. in Miami last year, and they kind of limited his snaps. But you know this, Jay, on a per-snap basis, he had maybe the best year he's had uh, this decade, certainly one of them. They think they can get more out of Frank Gore, who's approaching 15,000 yards rushing in his career? Yeah, I mean, well, there's no question. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and you're right. I mean, he, you know, he goes down to Miami. It's his hometown special for him to play there and he's better than Kenyon Drake their young running back out of Alabama and basically takes the job and says no I'm going to be the starter here and I, I you know if Frank Gore was on the Bills last year I think it would be really really interesting to would, would he have been able to unseat LaShawn McCoy and that's kind of the situation that we're looking at right now LaShawn McCoy is a guy that you know I think traditionally you know fantasy owners and people around the NFL know the name, but LaShawn McCoy, quite frankly, did not have a great a, a great year last year. Can Frank Gore come in and sort of wrestle some of those carries away from him? I think it's totally possible. He is on only a one-year contract, but I, I will say that he's already made an impact in terms, of the, in terms of the leadership that he brings into the locker room, and I think it'll be really, really interesting to see how they divvy up carries between LaShawn McCoy Frank Gore, and as I mentioned, Devin Singletary, who was taken in the third round, and who's going to get some work for this offense. So finally, Vegas has the Bills' win total over under at six and a half. They won six games last year. The first six games on the Bills' schedule, only one playoff team involved there, I believe, and that's New England. Is is this a season maybe where the Bills could be one of those surprise teams in the NFL? Something would go really, really wrong if they're underneath uh, that win total. I mean, I I, pre- I picked them at nine and seven when the schedule came out, and I've sort of stayed by that really up up to this point. I, I think that this is a team that should be. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you tonight that they're a playoff team, but I think that they should be in the running. And and when I say that, I mean deep into December to be a playoff type of a team. So that means eight and eight, nine and seven, maybe if things go right, 10 and six, that's where I have them in that range. If they only win five or six games, something has went terribly wrong for this team. Now, I'm curious, Jay, is the fan base there just as passionate as it always has been, even through this real tough run the last couple of decades? Oh, oh gosh, yes. I mean, yeah, Bill's Mafia is, and I think they might be more excited, uh, you know, this year and even last year, going back to uh, when they drafted Josh Allen, but People are on board with Josh Allen. Bills fans uh, are, are really, really excited about what he can do. And I, I do think, you know, obviously playing in the division with the New England Patriots and Tom Brady, you're always sort of, you know, competing for second place in that division. But I do think that people see the end of the Patriots sort of dominance uh, not that far down the road. And, you know, the expectation or the hope at least that Josh Allen can get the Bills into that position where they're competing for AFC East titles and divisional titles not so far down the road. We will keep an eye on it down here in New Orleans. J.J. Skursky, who covers the Bills for buffalonews.com. That's inside Bills training camp. Jay, appreciate the time tonight. Anytime. Thank you. All right. At Jay Skursky on Twitter. Give him a follow there. A little later this hour, we go uh, inside the 49ers training camp with Chris Biderman. That that's <laughs> talk about an interesting camp in an interesting year. Jimmy Garoppolo's second year there. Kyle Shanahan's third year. John Lynch's third year. There's always a lot of expectations around 49ers football. They haven't dissipated. Very disappointing last year. We'll see what happens. We'll go inside 49ers camp a little bit later this hour. But right now, back to some Saints talk. And we're going to open up the phone lines for you at 504-260-1870. That's 
Again, 504-260-1870. You can shoot me a text at 87870 or tweet at me, at Seth Dunlap on Twitter. Logan's behind the glass, our studio producer. I'm Seth. This is The Last Lap on WWL. Yesterday, I had a conversation. Well, I didn't have a conversation. We all had a conversation with Drew Brees after his practice, and we're talking a lot about the receiver cutdowns with the Saints and how tough those are going to be. Saints training camp sound and interviews brought to you by the sound banking of First American Bank, a banking tradition since 1910. I asked Drew, what's it like watching young receivers develop? How do you help them? He responded a couple of different ways. Here's Drew. That was Drew Brees yesterday after practice. Great stuff there. That was before he talked about Austin Carr, those cuts that we played for you all day yesterday. You can find that video and also his press conference in full on our WWL Radio Facebook page. Just check the video section there. We'll take a quick break for CBS News. When we come back, we once again go inside NFL training camp, this time in the NFC to San Francisco. Chris Biderman of the Sacramento Bee joins the show. That's next on The Last Lap. Double dipping inside NFL training camp. We went to Buffalo. Now let's go to the opposite coast, the West Coast. We'll check in on the 49ers. And we check in with the 49ers, Chris Biderman, 49ers beat reporter for the Sacramento Bee. He's on Twitter, at Chris Biderman. That's B-I-D-E-R-M-A-N. Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, lots of expectations, I would imagine, there in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, I, you could say that. I mean, the, the 49ers over these you know last two years with Kyle Shanahan at the helm have gone 10 and 22 combined. So the expectation, at least, is to, you know, find themselves in the hunt for, for a playoff spot and be more competitive in the NFC West, which figures to be a tough division again this season. Um, I mean, I think expectations might have been quelled a little bit with, with Jimmy Garoppolo's debut in that game on Monday night against the Broncos, where he completed just one of six passes for no yards and looked a little bit skittish in the pocket in his first action since tearing his ACL last September. But Garoppolo is going to get another crack at it. Uh, they, they hope he can find a rhythm on Saturday because it's probably going to be the last time he plays in the preseason ahead of week one. And obviously the 49ers basically have all their hopes hinging on Garoppolo. So they need him to look like the player they traded for in 2017 when he when he went you know five and zero as a starter after getting traded uh, from the Patriots. So. Uh, they, they do have expectations to compete for a playoff spot. I think people are, are tired of, of waiting around for, for this, you know, rebuilding process. And with the additions of D Ford and Nick Bosa along the defensive line, they hope the defense can take a significant step. And if they, uh, if they can do that, then, then they think they can compete with some of these teams in the NFC West. Well, with the Garoppolo, easy headlines, clickbait headlines, you know, the 0.0 QB rating that you just mentioned there, but it's a lot more than just about one game with, with Jimmy. Is this a make-or-break year for his career in San Francisco? If he gets injured again, are they going to have to pull the plug and go a different direction? It's definitely a possibility. Uh, they they, they front-loaded that $137.5 million contract that he signed in 2018. So basically there's, there's not going to be any dead money, really any significant dead money on his deal if they decide to move on after this season. So, yeah, it is kind of a it, it is kind of a prove-it year for Jimmy Garoppolo because the 49ers were hoping that, you know, that he would have got them into that playoff mix last year. You know, there was so much momentum going into last offseason after acquiring Garoppolo, seeing him go 5-0, and being among, you know, the top five quarterbacks at a lot of major statistical categories over that stretch, and then signing him to that contract. The 49ers thought they would be in, in playoff contention last year. 
So now they're a little bit, they're a year behind schedule because of that injury. And, and they don't really have time to wait around for Garoppolo anymore. They haven't made the playoffs since 2013. Kyle Shanahan was the fourth coach in four years, the first year he was hired. So uh, the fan base is, is used to winning at a, at a pretty good rate. You think about all these teams in, in the 80s and 90s. There hasn't been much success since then, particularly, I mean, you move on from Jim Harbaugh, who had one of the most successful starts in, in NFL history, going to three straight conference title games and a Super Bowl during his first three seasons. Uh, that's sort of the expectation around here. The fans want a perennial contender, and the 49ers haven't had that. Uh, and so they're hoping Kyle Shanahan can bring that. And it's going to be a dent to Kyle Shanahan's image, I think, if, if you know, he, he makes this bet on Garoppolo and it ends up not working out. And, and so that makes 2019 a really big season for them. Well, I'll be the only guy, only radio host in America probably, that asked you about a quarterback behind Garoppolo. We got a lots of Southern Miss <laughs> fans in our, in our audience. Nick Mullins, I've heard good stuff about him in camp. How's he look? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Mullins looks good. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said that, that he thinks Mullins looks better than he did last year. And, and obviously Mullins going from the practice squad to the active roster to the starting quarterback for the second half of last season and the team going, I think, three and five in his starts. Well, he looked pretty good. And, and you know, the, his very first start throwing all those touchdowns in that nationally televised game against the Raiders, um, you know, it was an impressive start for Mullins. And, and there's, you know, the, the the fan, I don't think that there's much going on in, inside the building in terms of this line of thinking, but there are fans out there who believe that maybe Jimmy Garoppolo should have a short hook given how much promise Nick Mullins showed. But uh, I, I'm not I'm not personally in that camp. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is certainly a tier or two above the other two guys, Nick Mullins and, and C.J. Beathard. Um, but but Mullins is, has been a really good story for the 49ers. They've they've had issues at quarterback. They've set, they've had three starting quarterbacks the last two seasons. And aside from Garoppolo's 2017 run after first after first uh, getting traded to to San Francisco, Mullins' run late last season is probably the best stretch the 49ers have had under center. Aside from that, so uh, to go from you know an undrafted rookie to spending his first season on the practice squad to starting meaningful games and and playing pretty well. I think Nick Mullins is, is certainly going to be a popular name, particularly if Jimmy Garoppolo struggles again on Saturday. But, yeah, no, he looks good. He has a good grasp of the offense, and, and uh, he has good leadership qualities. He's the type of guy who, I mean, in the preseason opener, you know, he broke the team down uh, and with, with, you know, sort of a motivational speech to get everybody going. And, and everyone talks about, you know, the intangibles that Mullins has. He doesn't have the strongest arm or, you know, he's not the most gifted physically um, but he has the intangibles, he knows the offense, and, and he has the trust of his teammates, which is a big thing for a young guy coming from where he came from. Good stuff there on Mullins and the 49ers. Chris Biderman of the Sacramento Bee with us at Chris Biderman on Twitter. It is interesting, Chris, that it sounds like they're, the backup quarterback is always the, the most f- beloved player on a roster anywhere. I mean, here we're, we're it's Taysom Hill talk every day. We have a Hall of Fame guy at the top of our <laughs> roster. Yeah. So I can't get away from it. can't get away from it, man. Defensive line, they've heavily invested in at the 49ers have and it's so interesting that this is to me from the outside in almost kind of a carbon copy a blueprint that they took from the Nolan Singletary eras right before uh, Harbaugh when they invested so many picks first round picks on that defense and finally under Harbaugh they kind of flourished so they got D Ford Eric Armstead DeForest Buckner Solomon Thomas uh, Nick Bosa first round guys everywhere on that defense are they going to be good are they going to have developed those guys that have been in the league two, three, four years now where they're going to be real solid in a force in that division, in that conference? Yeah, the, the only guy you can really feel comfortable about being a, a very high-level player 
on a on a consistent basis is DeForest Buckner, their their defensive tackle, who's entering his fourth season, and is probably going to get cashed out next off season with with a really big contract. I'm guessing something close to quarterback money, maybe 17, 18 million a year, depending on what kind of season he puts he puts together here. But uh, Nick Bosa looked like you know one of the best players on the team. At immediately at the start of training camp and he caught the attention of left tackle Joe Staley who's the longest tenured player on the team and and a six-time pro bowler and and you know Staley had had a lot of good things to say about Bosa and Staley isn't typically one to you know to lie to us in the media and, and just gas guys up when it's unnecessary he really believes that Bosa is the real deal the problem is is Bosa sprained his ankle somebody fell on him during training camp uh, and, and he's in danger of missing time early in the season. He might not come back till week three or four. So, obviously, you know, coming out of the draft, uh, Bosa had a lot of questions about durability. So, I, I think the talent's definitely there to maybe be a pro bowler, an all-pro type player down the road, but we don't know how durable he's going to be, and obviously that's a huge factor. Uh, D. Ford is also on the shelf. He's dealing with knee tendonitis. The 49ers are not worried about him missing time in the regular season. They're keeping him on the shelf mostly as a precaution, and it's not like his role is, is really all that uh, complicated. He's going to be tasked with getting after the quarterback, which he's pretty familiar with. But D. Ford's coming off. Uh, you know, he's he's had two back surgeries in his past, and knee tendonitis obviously isn't a great sign, but it, it's also an opportunity for the 49ers to allow him not to incur any wear and tear in August. Um, but, yeah, the defensive line is, you know, it's they're projecting it to be the strength of the team, and, and they need it to be – really really good if they want to compete and they've you know they haven't invested nearly as much in the secondary as the defensive line which is sort of controversial in in today's nfl because you see more and more teams emphasize coverage over pass rush uh, which is sort of this shift but the 49ers are going the more traditional route and and building up front and working their way back so they have a lot riding on the defensive line and there's a lot of talent there but on paper it's really good And, and if that works out um, you know, if they get double-digit sacks from those three guys, from Ford, Bosa, and Buckner, I'd imagine they'd be in pretty good shape. The expectations there, like you said, they're high, but that is a tough division, Chris. Of course, with the Rams, the Seahawks are a playoff team, what, six out of the last seven years they were last year. You got the number one pick and a new head coach in Arizona. Is this a, a division? I guess maybe it's it's similar for the 49ers like it is for Atlanta and, and Carolina in this division in the NFC South where the division's so tough, the conference is so tough that it's hard to meet expectations. Is it possible there in San Francisco objectively? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it, a lot has to go right. They're going to have to get their guys healthy. They're going to need Jimmy Garoppolo to, to sort of, you know, return to that pre-injury form, which is obviously the, the biggest question mark facing them right now. But, I mean, I, th- I would expect the Rams to take a step back. Um, Jared Goff, maybe, you know, maybe the, the, the Patriots sort of created a blueprint in the Super Bowl to, to limit Sean McVay's offense. I think Seattle's kind of going through an identity shift just in terms of, you know, they had that defense, they had the Legion of Boom, and, and you know, now it's, it's more or less Russell Wilson's team. And so are, are they going to be able to transition that way to be an offensive-oriented team instead of that, you know, ground-and-pound, defense-oriented, special teams type, type team that they've been? And maybe they can do that. I, I actually think Wilson is, is a sleeper MVP candidate. You see the odds out there, 25-1, to 1, I think, that's kind of enticing given the fact that they're going to put a lot more on his shoulders and the defense isn't going to be as good. And if the Rams do take a step back, you look at Seattle as that team that, that, you know, could be in the driver's seat for the division. If, if anything bad were to happen in LA, 
Uh, and the 49ers could be in that mix too. Like I said, there's, there's, you know, they they have a lot riding on Jimmy Garoppolo, and they know the ceiling is high with him when he played at his absolute best in 2017. But they don't know if he's going to get back there again, and they don't know if they're going to be healthy enough. Injuries have really been a problem for this team the last two years, and they continue to be a problem right now, heading into the season. So. Uh, you know, you look at Arizona, and, and that's really the toughest team to figure out because we have no idea what Kyler Murray uh, and Cliff Kingsbury's offense is going to look like at this level. We know, you know, it worked a lot. Um, Kingsbury's offense worked in the Big 12, but we we also know that Kingsbury got fired for not winning enough games at Texas Tech. So uh, it was an interesting hire to be sure, and, and I would imagine that they're, they're going to be an ex- exciting offense to watch, but uh, it's it's really tough to say how close they are to to contending to be a, to being a winning team. You have questions about Arizona's offensive line. You certainly have questions about their talent on defense. So I guess they're the biggest wild card of the division. But I think you're right in, in saying that it's sort of similar to the NFC South in that there are a lot of teams sort of bunched closely together, and and it really could go. You know, I, I could it, it wouldn't shock me to see three different teams win that division, whether it's the Rams, the Seahawks, or or even the Niners if they if they, you know, lucked into some good health and, and Jimmy Garoppolo bounced back. Yeah, I'm with you, Chris. Chris Biederman, 49ers reporter for the Sacramento Bee on Twitter at Chris Biederman. And Chris, uh, I apologize if I mispronounce your name there. Lack of professionalism no, on focus here. <laughs> I apologize. It's a, it's a strange spelling. It happens all the time, no, no problem. I apologize I apologize, but a great stuff from you. Thanks for your time tonight. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Chris Biederman, at Chris Biederman on Twitter. That's B-I-D-E-R-M-A-N. Give him a follow. Follow the 49ers this year. We'll take a break. Back with your phone calls and texts, 504-260-1870. And our text line is 870-870. The last lap continues on WWL. If you missed it earlier tonight, the Little League World Series team from New Orleans, technically from River Ridge, they 10-run shutout their opponents in the United States semifinals 10 nothing. they win that game in five innings. And New Orleans is on to the United States Championship game that will happen tomorrow at 2.30. And I believe that game should get started on time pending weather in Williamsport. So Bobby Bear and Christian Garrick, Deuce McAllister. Uh, not sure if Deuce is there tomorrow or not, but at least Bobby and Christian, they will be covering that game for you live probably about midway through. Real fantastic stuff. What a story. What an incredible story. That is right there. Today's Saints player of the day is going to be Demario Davis. Demario Davis, who we haven't talked about a lot during camp, really impressive this offseason, both on and off the field. We've got great comments from him on our Facebook page right now at WWL.com, his post-practice press conference, talking about the defense, but also talking about his social justice advocacy. I really suggest, and I really mean this, I suggest every one of you, when you get a chance, go to our Facebook page a couple of clicks away from most of you, just go to the video section, and then you'll find DeMario's nine minutes uh, discussion about all things football and all things off of the field. Who's going places? Yeah, DeMario Davis, brought to you by Toyota Dealers. Let's go places. Let's go to James in New Orleans. James, what's going on? Yes, the guy that you uh is struggling with his name. Uh, Roussel. Roussel, is, Roussel is, thank you. Roussel. Thank you. Roussel, yeah, it's a common name. Uh, and uh, he's been their stud uh, since they got to uh, Williamsport. Uh, he's had big hits in every game. I think he's 12 or yeah. 14 or something like that, James. It's incredible. Oh, I don't know his name. I just I just learned about him from reading the papers and articles and following the, the things. He's been their big hit guy every game. He's gotten uh, hits in every game in the big hits. 
Yeah. I don't know how many other players, but he's the one I've known. No, he'd be the MVP. If they have an you know, MVP award, I don't really think they do. They might have an unofficial one there. I could be wrong about that, but he would be it, no doubt. You having fun like following them? James, pretty cool here, right? Local team could be Little League World Series champs, and I, it's a few ends away from that, but still pretty cool, right? Uh, big time, big time. Uh, but, I don't know, 20-something years ago, they had a team from Lafayette that made it, too. They didn't win the whole thing, but they were there. The, the, I don't remember when. They, I remember, all I remember their colors were uh, yellow and green. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, they, they like to say they have designated colors. They don't have much of a choice to wear. Yeah. Yep, yep, and they're wearing yeah. that that orange Huge. right now as they're the Southwest. Huge, James. There's no doubt about it. Thank you. Yeah, Roussel. As uh, I don't get to watch these games because they're on during my show. So uh, there you go, Russell. I actually have a friend, uh, Emil Gaucher, who's a, a friend of the show. He works as an account executive here. Uh, really, a really good friend of mine, going back to when I first got here. And he's family friends with their family. And um, we're going to see if we can get the Roussel family on, maybe not tomorrow, but if not tomorrow, then early next week. Really appreciate the call, James. Special, special stuff here. And kind of like James alluded to there, they're wearing orange uniforms because each area of the United States, uh, Northeast, Northwest, uh, Midwest, Southeast, South, they all have designated colors. So that green that James referenced, that's when the New Orleans team was in the Southeast um, division and the representatives there a couple of decades ago. Now Southwest is New Orleans and uh, they're wearing those orange uniforms. Kind of like a uh, Almost Oklahoma State orange, not quite, but kind of in that vicinity. It's not quite, maybe more Auburn orange than um, than Oklahoma State orange. I don't know, Phoenix Suns orange. You got to go check them out. It, it's an off orange, no doubt about it. But uh, jerseys, regardless, special stuff from that squad. And we're going to follow them through to the end right here on the last lap. One more segment this hour. Give us a call if you want. Thanks for listening, James. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. And the last lap will continue on WWL. Uh, one quick update here. I was told earlier tonight that they play tomorrow. Apparently, that's not the case. It's not tomorrow. So I was just going off uh, kind of what I was told earlier tonight. I want to correct that. It is not tomorrow. It's Saturday at 2.30 p.m., and you're able to watch that on ABC. It's the West versus the Southwest in that one, team from Hawaii. And then, of course, your boys from New Orleans. Again, it's not tomorrow. It's Saturday. So my apologies. Saturday, August 24th at 2.30 p.m. Back after this on The Last Lap. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.